0: Welcome to the Menopause and Cancer Podcast, where we speak with cancer patients, survivors and incredible menopause experts to help us find solutions to our symptoms and ideas to improve our health. My name is Dani Binnington, and today I'm going to share with you the top five mistakes so many cancer survivors make when it comes to addressing their menopausal symptoms. And I want to share them with you right at the beginning of the new year so that we can all save ourselves a lot of time and a lot of hassle and we don't have to make these mistakes ourselves. And before I go into all of the mistakes I just wanted to say welcome to 2024. I don't know how your Christmas period has been. How are you feeling? Are you entering this new year feeling really excited about the new start or are you feeling a bit of a dread? And I know when I speak to many people on our workshops and Um, events, it's always half-half. Half the people are very excited about embarking into a new year. And many people feel, gosh, a whole year ahead of me, it feels a lot already. And so depending on how we're wired, you're going to listen to this episode very differently. And also you've had very different experiences over Christmas. Some of you might arrive in January and already feel a little bit burnt out. Family is great when everyone gets together and sometimes it's really quite nice when everyone leaves again and we get back into our normal routines. And so I'm not sure how you're feeling and how you're embarking into 2024, but. The reason we're all here is to really look at how we can manage menopause, especially once you've had a cancer diagnosis. And just to sum up, I want this podcast to be a really helpful and practical resource for many, many, many people, especially if you've had a cancer diagnosis, but it doesn't matter what type of cancer you've been diagnosed with and how many moons ago. You might have just come out of active treatment, but I know there are many people listening who are decades on from their primary cancer diagnosis. And so please feel really welcome to be here. It has been over 10 years for me that I was diagnosed with my primary um, breast cancer. I had a triple negative breast cancer at the age of 33, and many, many years of personal and practical and professional experience are now woven into these podcast episodes. When I finished active cancer treatment, I never thought that my doctors had done enough. And so I went on a real quest to try and add things into my life that could help me better my chances of survival and also improve how I was feeling. And I'm really happy to share my own mistakes. And I'm also here today to share the mistakes of many others along the line. I've always since then dabbled in the wellbeing industry. I've hosted superfood supper clubs, became a yoga teacher. I've hosted numerous online and in-person events. We did sourdough baking. I had Diane bring a really amazing menopause trooper at a in-person workshop um, for uh, one of our events at my own house many, many years ago, before anyone was really talking about the menopause. And it is all of those nuggets and wealth of information and mistakes I want to share with many of you. A really common mistake, let's get to it. The first mistake I see so many people make is that it's a beginning of a new year. Everyone wants to really do their best. They think they've got debilitating symptoms. They still not tackled them last year. And so they're all ready to give it another go. And so we inform ourselves with lots of new um, pieces of nuggets of information. And sometimes that is too much and I speak to many, many people who say, gosh, yes, I'm following all the right people on social media. I've tuned into so and so and I'm reading these um, blog posts and I've really informed myself and I'm still really confused and I don't know what to do next. And all of those feelings and all of those states of beings can coexist. And if you are too, if your social media feed is perhaps full of menopause accounts or other people who've had a cancer diagnosis, if you've looked at great resources, Macmillan, Breast Cancer Now, any of the other big charities for their resources, and you still don't know what to do next, then maybe you're in a state of information overload. And that has happened to me many times and it's happened to many of our clients. I remember, and Dawn, you might be listening to this, when Dawn a wonderful client after um, womb cancer came to me and joined our Empowered Menopause program. I think this is over two years ago now. She said she felt totally overwhelmed. And what that feeling of too much information, too much conflicting information and too much overwhelmed it to her, it put her into a state of paralysis. And that meant she wasn't doing anything. She wasn't moving forward in any way because it was all a bit too much. Everything seemed like a good idea, but she didn't know where to start. And my advice to Dawn was to disconnect and step back and focus on just herself and what she was already doing. And that, I think, to date, was one of the best tips of advice I've given Dawn. And it doesn't sound like much, doesn't it? But if you're also now wanting to inform yourself and bring lots of information into your life, really question whether that is helpful for you at the moment. And if you know what to do with this information, if it's helpful, and you know what to do with this information, then brilliant, go for it. And you've got a strategy or a little plan that works for you. But if you've got all of this information coming into your world, and you still don't know what your next steps might be, it might just be a little bit too much, too much of an overload, too much confusing, Information and then maybe just leave it. Remove yourself from social media for a bit, for a few weeks. Follow other accounts, follow funny cat and dog videos or anything else that might just bring you into a different headspace for a little bit of time. And you can just focus on yourself. What is it that you're doing already? What is working for you? What is not working for you? Where are you at? Do a symptom checker and just focus on. What's going on for you rather than getting into that future driven headspace and becoming this overloaded information overloaded person and still not knowing what to do. So this is just a reminder to you to think is how you're consuming information serving you at the moment, or is it too much? And you can detach a beautiful thing happens when we detach a little. And that is that suddenly everything just feels a bit like, the pressure is off. Because what happens when you're a lot on social media, you see so many people doing amazing things. Julia Bradbury is out there walking on her book tour. People do amazing things since their cancer diagnosis, And it can often feel that we're not doing as much or not trying as hard or not showing up as loudly and as openly as many others. But it doesn't matter. Comparing ourselves has never given anyone a benefit, because there is always going to be someone else out there who is better off or worse off than you, someone who does way more things, but also other people who do way less in comparison to you. So it's pointless. So just focus on yourself a little bit. And you might also feel ah, that this sort of lovely weight has just dropped off your shoulders. Give it a go. So that is definitely the first mistake I know many people make hey thank you for listening so far this podcast has an amazing facebook community full of inspiring women supporting each other and sharing their stories please come and be part of it we'd love to have you in the group click the link in the show notes and come in now the second mistake is that the women I speak to, they're just not communicating clearly enough. And that might be that patients don't articulate their symptoms or concern effectively to to the healthcare professionals. And especially when they talk to us as a not-for-profit organization, or when they come into our programs or workshops, it's all a bit of a muddle, isn't it? It's We don't know whether we're coming or going. Sometimes people say, gosh, I have no idea if this is still a hangover from the chemotherapy or other active cancer treatment I had, or is it the long-term endocrine medication I'm on or the surgical menopause, I just don't know what's what. And it's okay to not know what's what because often your doctors will also not exactly know why you're having these symptoms. But the point is that, It's okay to leave all of this and not know, but the point in when we articulate, I want to make is that your symptoms and concerns can be articulated in a much better way. And what I mean with that is often women will say half of the story. So they will go and they will talk about the symptoms that they think they can get answers for and help with, but they forget to mention other concerns they have because they think there's nothing they can do anyway. And I'm going to just give you an example because it came up three times towards the end of the year at one of our workshops. That women really wanted help with their hot flushes and also with their anxiety. And they were discussing medications like antidepressants with the healthcare providers. And they knew that antidepressants could have a very beneficial effect on their hot flushes, but also mood, and especially when hormone replacement therapy wasn't an option for them. What they didn't communicate is that they also really struggled with low libido, absolutely not having any feeling towards wanting to have sex or cuddles or any part of intimacy with their partner. And those were just three examples that came up and they were very similar. Now, they didn't address with the healthcare provider that. Um, the problem they had with their low libido, their sex drive. And they didn't discuss that this was actually really causing them concern, concern within their relationships, but also concern that they didn't want to live like that. They felt like they didn't sign up to live a totally sexless life from now onwards to the rest of their life. But they didn't, talk about that so when they walked away with medication like antidepressants which would have really helped them with some of the other symptoms what they didn't address and what the doctor didn't have time for explaining to them that exactly those medications can also put the brakes on when it comes to sex drive and so it's really important for a doctor to be able to help us to understand everything all of our concerns, all of our symptoms, and also our wishes and desires. And so it's important to try and be as clear as possible. Every time we sit down with the symptom checker, whether that's on an app, whether that's just you sitting down and maybe journaling a little bit and looking at your symptoms, it's really important to also just put down your worries and say, actually, I kind of think is this a, you know, I've heard, is this a byproduct or is this a side effect of some of the medications? I'm also really worried. It's not of not my priority, maybe. I don't need to tackle, say, my low libido immediately, but it's definitely something I want to build on. Because if this is the case for those three cases and those three patients, the doctor might have given them a different um, medication to help with some of their symptoms that would have not put the brakes on. Uh, on their sex drive. And so it's really important to think everything we're going to do will have an action and a reaction. And that, again, will have a reaction on something else and a knock-on effect. And we are these beautiful three-dimensional human beings, aren't we? And everything we're going to do will have an impact on something else. And it's important to consider that. The third most a biggest problem that i have seen people make towards the end of the last sort of half year is that women in particular neglected their mental health concerns when it comes to managing menopause after cancer and that is not to say that you didn't take yourself important enough or that these women didn't think there was anything they can do but the focus was definitely a lot more on trying to manage Symptoms like joint ache, fatigue, um, uh, hot flushes, bladder symptoms. Women kind of felt they could get more help with those. And that may be having low mood over a long period of time, moments of anxiety or chronic states of anxiety, depression, all of those sort of mental, emotional, impactful symptoms women often said to me well it's just normal isn't it and i felt the same for many 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 years i kind of felt that feeling rubbish emotionally is just a byproduct of me having survived cancer and that it was actually normal to feel like that and i think it's normal to feel like that because we've all been through so much through so much trauma through so much upset our worlds have been shaken, haven't they? They've been, it's like I'm this jigsaw puzzle and I say it over and over, don't I? And you've been put back and a few of the little jigsaw pieces are still not in the right place. But just because it is normal to feel like this after a cancer diagnosis, it's normal to feel anxious, have depression, um, maybe even have panic attacks, have elements of PTSD, or maybe you need to get diagnosed for post-traumatic stress disorder. It doesn't mean that we can't get help with it. And I think that is the crucial point I want to make. That's the biggest differentiator. Yes, the way we're feeling is normal for what our body has gone through for the medication you might be on. But that doesn't mean that we can't get help for it. And so neglecting our mental health concerns when it comes to Conversations with doctors, when it comes to conversations with friends, to other people is something I've definitely picked up. And I would love for us to all to be able to mention it more because we can't get the help unless we talk about it. And sitting with feelings of low mood, no mood, the feeling of being detached maybe from yourself, the feeling of always feeling super, super anxious is awful when you just have to sit with it on your own. And I've been definitely navigating this for many many years where I felt gosh, I should be feeling better than I was. I had this expectation that my life should have been should feel much happier and I was still really anxious. I remember my husband booking all of these lovely holidays for us and every time he wanted to book a holiday, I wanted to just say oh gosh, don't book the holiday. What happens if I have to have a scan. If I have a recurrence, then we have to tell the kids that we can't go. And I was just so anxious that something could go wrong. And it was very, very lonely and really isolating. And it was awful for my husband as well, because, gosh, he just wanted to move on and do the right thing and do lovely things for us and the family and create memories. And actually, it was, yeah, it was lonely. And so I would hope all of us can really address our mental health concerns. Um should they be persisting and should there be something that you think actually I want to address it and let's see if I can get a bit of help with it and so I wonder how you're feeling about your mental health concerns have you brought them up when you saw your clinical nurse specialist when you saw your oncologist when you saw your surgeon or did you also purely focus on the physical things that you thought could be easier fixed one to ponder for sure another um thing and it's definitely i think a bit of a mistake that that struck me last year is that very few people seek a second opinion and really know how to navigate the medical system and i don't know where you're listening to this podcast from if you're in america if you're in the uk i think the majority of our audience is in the uk then you can have a second opinion, even on the national health system. How does it work in America? I'm not sure how your insurance provider deals with it. But I know that, so for example, when I knew I wanted to remove my ovaries because I'm a BRCA1 carrier, the Royal Marston Hospital at that point didn't do risk-reducing surgeries anymore. So I just had a letter in the post. My surgery was meant to be planned for next year. It was two or three months before then had a letter through the post, and they said they were not no longer doing risk-reducing surgeries. So I thought, okay, what do I do now? Went back to my GP, and I said to my GP, I need to have my ovaries removed. Here is a specialist, and I would like to be referred to him. And it was absolutely no problem. I got referred to this hospital. It's a hospital that I had not been to before, but I'd done research on the surgeon. I knew he was amazing at what he did, and I thought this would be great. And I got referred to this hospital and I got seen within the clinic of this particular surgeon. I got lucky because it was actually D surgeon that operated on me. But at least I sort of knew that I could have power and a little bit of agency in this. And go back a few more years when I was planning for my double mastectomy. Again, I had an appointment with the surgeon that was recommended to me by my hospital to plan for my double mastectomy. And I walked out of the meeting and I actually didn't feel I clicked with the surgeon. I didn't think how he spoke to me was reassuring. I was giving more options than I wanted as a patient. I wanted to be told, this is the best option for you. And actually, I was given loads of choices within the double mastectomy and I didn't like that. And so again, I went back to my GP and I've done my research and I said, I would like to speak to Fiona McNeil. Fiona McNeil is a female surgeon. She's now retired. And I had an appointment with her. Initially, I paid for one consultation privately. I have to say that. But after I've seen her, I got re-referred back to her on the NHS. I went back onto her waiting list and my double mastectomy was done on the NHS. So again, I knew how to navigate the medical system. I had that second opinion and she was amazing. She was so confident. She really just took me by my hand and said, this I think is the best option for you. What do you think? And I had a date booked in, like it was amazing. But it just gave me a little bit of confidence knowing how to navigate the healthcare system, knowing that I had a choice in who I was going to really let go at my body. Like it was really a really part Key piece of me feeling more empowered. And I wish more people felt like that. Now, that doesn't mean that if you get to an appointment, everything is right. We all need to seek a second opinion. No, because I think that is confusing. But if something doesn't feel quite right, or if you didn't get the answers or the conversation you had, there is nothing wrong with having a second opinion. And I think all healthcare professionals I speak to, oncologists, surgeons, GPs, they, they like it. There aren't many that say, Oh, no, I don't think this patient should have a second opinion. And I think it really depends what you want. But in my cases, with the surgeries, it just gave me the extra little bit of empowerment piece that I needed to make this, yeah, to feel more in control at a time where everything felt pretty much out of control. I'm not sure if that resonates with you. And if you think back of, have you made a call ever? Have you asked for a second opinion? Have you asked to speak to someone else about the same issue because you weren't getting the answers? And maybe if not, if you go forward, you think actually, yeah, I think this is definitely something you might want to remember. Okay, let's move on to the fifth most common mistake I've seen people make last year, and that is the non-adherence to treatment plans. And I'm not meaning that in a teacher-preacher sort of way, oh, people didn't take their medication. No. Treatment plans, I mean everything that is also in your holistic treatment toolkit. And to make it easier for you, because we're not going to go into all of this now, I'm bringing out a mini series next week. So make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast and also make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel because you're getting it all in video format as well. And in this mini menopause of the cancer crash course, I'm going to go into all of our menopause after the cancer tool kits. And I've got a 10 minute video for you every single day of next week. So make sure you subscribe to that. And don't miss out because I'm going to break it all down so that you have the best possible start to your year. But when we break it down and we look at people's treatment plans and we look at the holistic package that you can put together for yourself, and that would be your non-hormonal options, maybe your hormonal treatment options, but all of your complementary therapies, your lifestyle, your exercise, your diet, your stress relief, right? The non adherence to treatment plans really I mean in all of those holistic toolkits and things that are in your toolboxes. Because what people do is they think, yeah, I just need to take a supplement. I hear someone in the Facebook group talk about, I don't know, a supplement for creaky joints and joint ache. They go to the next health food shop, they buy it, they don't really do their research. Maybe they're not really noticing any changes or benefits, and then they stop it again. Sometimes we don't really believe in it that much that it's working, and then we're not going to be as religious in taking it as if your doctor had prescribed it. And so take a moment and think, how is it for you and what have you done? Have you been consistent and have you stuck to your treatment plan? Whatever that is, if your treatment plan included making yourself a good, healthy breakfast every single day of the week, have you stuck to it? If part of your toolbox and toolkit is going to yoga every Thursday evening, have you gone? This is like prescription. Exercise needs to be prescriptive. Lifestyle modifications, managing maybe a 10-minute meditation every single day needs to become part of a prescriptive toolbox, toolkit for us. It's only going to work if we stick to it. Sometimes we overestimate or underestimate how important, say, a herbal medication is going to be for us. And depending how you think about it, you're going to be different in taking the medication on a, on, an, on a daily basis. So if you don't really believe in the power of plants, but you hear lots of people say, oh, your magnesium is amazing for you, you might only take your magnesium every third day. And then it's very hard to know, is it really going to make a difference to your sleep. A few uh, papers came out last year, for example, that linked eating kiwi fruit to better and improved sleep and also good digestion. Now, I thought that was a great idea. I bought kiwi once and I ate a kiwi fruit every evening for about four days. My packet had four kiwis in it and then I didn't buy any more. So, that is what I mean. I did not stick to a treatment plan. It may have really aided my digestion and my sleep. But I would have only really known if I'd been really consistent over a long period of time. And that is what I would love for you to reflect on and think about. Are you sticking to the treatments? Many women say to me, and I love the podcast episode I did with Helen, the titty gritty. And she said, you know, acupuncture was really good for her, for her brain fog, for heart flushes. But she just wasn't consistent enough in going. But it was really beneficial for her. And so the question is, why don't we continue to do the things that already work for us? Is it because we've not made them enough of a habit? Fair enough, because it takes a long time to create a habit. You know how long it takes to break a habit. It takes a long time to create a habit. And so it's really really rethinking what is it within all of your holistic toolbox that we need to repeat to make it into a habit so that we can adhere to a treatment plan. And the other thing people do within that is they really don't do their research. People quite like everything handed to them on a plate. And I'm a bit like that. You know, if I don't know, (laughs) some people I, I don't know, follow on social media, like Dr. Nina Fuller-Chevelle from Synthesis Clinic. She's an amazing integrative um, doctor. I really believe so much of on everything she says. And so it would be much easier for me to just go and sort of follow suggestions. But actually, what does it mean for me? And why am I seeking help? Why do I want to take a supplement? Why do I want to try herbal medication? It's so personal, and we'll all have different reasons. And so really, we need to be really, really working hard at doing that initial research piece. And then once we've got the facts and the evidence for us, and we know enough reasons of why to do something, then we're going to really stick and adhere to our treatment plans in a much more sort of um, follow through way. So those were my top five mistakes that I have spotted last year. Um, And I wonder how you feel about them. And Yeah, where there may be just unwinding and really going into a few of those things I've just mentioned might be really helpful for you going forward. I have got so many things planned with our team for you this year in how we can support you even much further than you listening to the podcast episodes. We're going to continue to bring to you amazing experts that have so much knowledge with working with cancer patients and helping with menopause. So be assured next week already, we're going to go straight in looking at how you can support your bone health. And I'm really excited to release that episode with you. It was a workshop we did last year and I'm very Excited to share that with all of you because beginning of a new year, we all need to look after our bones so we don't worry all year about having bad bones, maybe. Um, but we also want to do lots of in person events, and we're gonna make sure that we travel across the whole of the country next year or this year, and we're gonna come and see you in the north, west, south, and east. Menopause and cancer are going on a road show, so stay connected. Best to subscribe to the newsletter, you can join our Facebook group group and you can look on our website menopauseandcancer.org we're going to list all of our events and everything coming up so you can come and join us meet with us mix and mingle and yeah it's going to be really exciting come to our workshops programs i really want to make sure we all feel a little bit more empowered going through this and it's a rubbish situation to to be in i know Managing menopause after a cancer diagnosis is hardly anything anyone ever prepares you for, and yet it becomes such a huge thing of your whole survivorship, almost identity, right? It's another layer. It's another insult to your injury, and it's hard work. And at the same time, there is so much we can do and I am excited. I know we all learn differently. Some of you like to watch our YouTube episodes. Some of you like to listen to the podcast. Some of you want to come into our coffee mornings and meet others and talk and share. Others like to be more anonymous and they go into the Facebook group. You do you. There is no right or wrong way. The only thing we want to continue doing is showing up in an honest way, sharing from a space that is just filled with our own raw honesty. We don't need to be or pretend to be or be anyone else. And also we want to show up in a really non-judgmental way. I think it's beautiful that people do different things, that people have different queries and people want to find out and go on a quest for different things. And yeah, medical opinions divide sometimes, but it really doesn't matter. It's okay. People can have different opinions. It doesn't mean we don't need to like them or value them. It's okay. We are all here to do our own thing. And I wish you all the best of luck for this year. I think you're amazing for being here. I want to literally hold you all by your hand and do this thing with you together. Because I think it is really possible to have a more empowered experience after your cancer diagnosis when it comes to managing your menopause. It really is possible. And sometimes small things are going to make a huge difference huge change and impact on your life. And it's always so much better together than alone. I hope my five tips of common mistakes other people make have been thought-provoking for you. And with that, I shall love you and leave you. And I'll see you again for the Bone episode on our next episode. And also make sure to subscribe to YouTube and also to the podcast to not miss our mini-series on our crash course. And with that, I'm wishing you a good, good day. Happy, happy January 2024. Oh, and just before I go, and I've nearly forgotten, we start our next Empowered Menopause After Cancer Programme on the 5th of February. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, confused about your options, if you have a big treatment question that you want answering, that you just need a bit of help mulling it over, if you need a bit of help in putting together a good healthcare um Panel of experts around you that this program might be for you. It's open for anyone with a history of cancer who's also in the menopause model. It's a program that runs over 16 weeks, and I'm really going to help you to try and figure out what your next steps can be. And the program runs in two. two ways. We've combined two ways. You get an online access to an online learning platform and there are lots of videos for you. And I've carefully curated them so that you can find lots of answers to many of your questions in there. But we're also going to meet over six sessions on Zoom. And this is really my favorite bit. We're only going to allow a small number of people to enroll onto the program. It's so lovely to see you connect and grow and mull over really difficult decisions with one another. And I have seen women make the most incredible progress for everyone that is listening to this if you've already been on my program you know how much i love spending time with you how much i love seeing your progress and how much i love getting to know all of you it's a real privilege there is a cost to this program as we have not yet had funding for this program through our not-for-profit and so i'm going to link to the program in the show notes have a look reach out to me danny at healthyhomey.com if you are interested if this is something that you think yes I'm also in the thick of it and I just need to dedicate a bit of time to it it really works for you the program and is created for you and I'm excited to welcome our next small group of ladies onto the program so for the right person this is going to be amazing I'll link into the show notes